you remain standing, we're going to get right into the Scripture. But I do want to say one thing before, and I asked Arwen, I said, uh, you didn't say anything about people bringing candy. And she said, <laughs> she said, I think we may have enough. Enough and candy do not belong in the same sentence. Okay, so yeah, bring, bring candy. Five pound bags, candy. <clears throat> okay, Whew, I'm glad I got that off. All right, uh, let's read the scripture together. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the life and the light that are in your word. I pray that that light would shine in every dark place in our lives, would illuminate it, and that we would embrace it and not turn away from it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, as I was, as, as with last week, this, I'm not going to preach a sermon today about helping the poor. Okay, uh, for three reasons. First of all, you already know you need to help the poor. Okay, and then uh, secondly, we don't know that this man was poor. In fact, uh, I don't think poor people get robbed as often as as rich people. You know, what I mean, he's going down from one place to another, and the robbers decided this is a guy that we need to target. So I don't know that he was poor. And thirdly, that's not what the parable is about at all. Many are familiar with this parable, but not so many know what, uh, what prompted the telling of the parable, which is, uh, which is why we read 
the setup to it. Because the parable was told in response to, to a question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? That's, that's why the parable was being told. Um, an expert in the law was asking this question, and he, uh, he knew that something must be keeping him from reaching his ultimate goal. Now, when we think of that question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? We tend to think about, oh, well, I need to acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior and repent of my sins, and, and I, I will have eternal life. That's not what this guy is thinking. Uh, eternal life, is, as I've mentioned several times, to the Hebrew was not necessarily connected with anything beyond the grave. Eternal life is a quality of life that God has, the same quality that He has. Do you ever get bored? Do you ever get depressed? Wow, that shot up awfully quickly. Uh, do you know... Do, would you like to live to be 200? No. <laughs> you know, if, if you think you would, then you're just not old enough yet. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what the thing is. Uh, but God, God doesn't get bored. God, God doesn't, doesn't get depressed. God is well beyond 200. Uh, and the quality of life that he has is, is available in eternal life. Um, many Christians go through the required motions and they get their ticket punched and, you know, and, and after the initial buzz is gone, after the initial, oh, wow, I got saved. Oh, wow, I got baptized. Oh, oh, wow, I, I, I went to church four Sundays in a row, three Sundays in a row. Uh, you know, after that initial buzz, then they, they, there's a tendency to just realize, well, I, I haven't really changed all that much. Nothing seems to have really changed all that much. And, and so they, we, we drift into this, we lock into this mindset of, oh, eternal life, right, that's on the other side. That's after we, 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 be, we, can, we will experience the quality of life God has when we go beyond the veil as we were talking about. Uh, was that last week? Oh, okay. Good. Great. Uh, the Jews did not necessarily believe there was anything beyond the veil. In fact, the Sadducees definitely did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so when he's asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's going, something's missing right now. And what do, what do I need to do to fill, that, to fill that void. And this parable is a key to, to, to many for why it isn't better now. If you love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength, and if you love your neighbor as yourself, it is better now. It has changed. You, you are beginning, you are experiencing the quality of life that God has. And you can't have one without the other. And that is God, love God without uh, John. 1 John 4.20 says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a... Yeah, that's a strong word. 
For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Now, you, you can maybe argue with the, with the rationale here. You might go, well, yeah, you can love somebody you hadn't seen. It. But this is the Word of God. You, you don't argue rationale with the Word of God. Because every word that proceeds from the mouth of God is truth and has life in it. So it says, if you don't love your brother or sister whom you've seen, you can't love God whom you haven't seen. But if you do, then something remarkable happens. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Jesus said in John 17, this is eternal life. To know God. To know you, the only true God. Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. People who walk in this kind of love live on a different plane. They live life on a different level from what most people live in. Think about, and most of you probably know someone who is just really remarkable for the love that they show. I mean, how many of you know somebody like that? I mean, hopefully, it's probably your grandmother, okay? But, but hopefully, almost all of you do. Yeah, and, you, and you just realize, wow, they're in a different place. So what's the problem? Why, why am I not in that place? You know, I mean, I, I know, love the Lord, love my brother. Yeah. Well, here's the problem. I think it's, it's summed up in verse 29. Wanting to justify himself. You ever, you ever wanted to justify yourself? You ever, you ever had something go down and you go, well, you know, I, I would have but, you know, or I, I could have but, you know, it, that's, that's called justifying yourself. You know, I would love my brother and my sister and I'd love my neighbor if I just knew who they were. Who are they? Clearly, he was falling down on this this command to love. And he had an excuse, not not a reason. You know, the excuse was, who who is my neighbor? The person next door? The the people in my my neighborhood? Uh, My town? My my state? My country? uh, My club? On my team, those, those I work with, those I go to, go to school with, the church with, uh, who, who's my neighbor? You know, and if it were that simple, we'd still be in big trouble because we don't like half of those people. But it's really actually not, not, that, not that simple. So we would like to define neighbor as one who is easy to get along with, likable, uh, helps greatly if they agree with us on a whole lot of things and matters. And if they aren't too much in need, now they, they can be in need, but not too much in need. That, that gets a little uncomfortable. And I suspect that the expert in the law had somebody like this in mind when, uh, w- when he was asking Jesus this, this, this question. But instead of uh, getting that definition, he got, a, he got a story. He heard a story. Uh, a man was going down from Jerusalem to, uh, to Jericho, 
And on the way, he got robbed and everything was taken away from him and he was almost killed and three people passed by and two of them ignored him and, 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 and one of them helped him. And, you know, we can draw morals and conclusions from, uh, from this story. Uh, in fact, almost all of the sermons that I've ever heard about this, you know, uh, would focus in on several things. Well, why was he going from Jerusalem to Jericho? You know, what, what was he doing on that road down from the holy city to the, to, the, to the wicked city? You know, stay off of that road. Well, okay, stay off of that road, whatever, but that's not what this parable is about, you know. Who are the robbers? What, what, what is it that, that robs you? What is the oil and what, what is the wine? Oh, he poured in the oil and the wine. That's so great. That, whatever. Uh, but the undoubted central moral of this story has to be a response to the question, who is my neighbor? That's what the parable is all about. That's what it starts with. That's what it ends with. Jesus is quite particular in selecting his cast of characters. He, al he always is. Jesus, uh, I don't feel like he's just kind of random. Oh, well, I'll choose this. No, he, he was very particular in it. And, uh, and there are basically four characters in here. There's a man. And the man uh, is traveling down the road. Uh, and he was attacked. And, and, and he, was, he was robbed. And, and life is is a journey. Life is like a, a road. Uh, that's a good metaphor for life because we, we're, we're moving along, whether we're going down or whether we're going up or whether we're going sideways, you know, or it's, it, it's a road. And even if we get off the road, it's still a, it's a journey that we're on. Uh, and many are robbed as they travel that road. This was a we got, we got a lot of people in this fellowship that, that are recovering and trying to recover and going through stuff that, you know, and going through a lot of stuff right now. Uh, this last Sunday, a lot of you know, Chris Mincy fell here at church and broke his shoulder and started seizure and took him to the hospital. And so I, I went to the hospital to see him and one of our Sunday school teachers skipped out on us and went to the hospital. And when I got there, she was having her gallbladder taken out. Uh, and then, and then Monday morning, Smitty pulls out in traffic and has a wreck. He's, you know, and I, and I, went, I went to Stonecrest again. I said, Smitty, you are the third one in 24 hours, and I want this to stop. <laughs> you know, let's just, let's put an end to this right now. But, I mean, things happen in our lives, and, and we, get, we get robbed of stuff. And people pass by, and the first one that passed by was a priest. And it would be difficult to overestimate the, uh, the, the esteem with which this expert in the law would hold a priest. Uh, you know, there are some times when we are admonished to uh, uh, respect the position, and we should. We should respect the position whenever someone, whenever someone holds a position. However, the person holding the position may not necessarily be worthy of the respect due the position. Uh, all people have inherent value. Everybody's got value because they have an immortal soul inside of them. And, and Jesus died on the cross for them, regardless of what they've done, regardless of what they're going to do, whether they're, whether they're good or bad or, or, or tall or short, or ugly or pretty, they've got inherent value uh, that, 
that every person has. Uh, but not all people bring honor to the position that they have. And you would think, you would think that a priest would be most likely to help a person in need. But it depends on the person, not the position. Depends on who the person is, not the position that they hold. The right kind of person, priest or not, would understand the principle behind what Jesus meant when he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Basically, he's saying the Sabbath was created so that we'd take a break every now and then. Because we have a tendency to not take a break every now and then. You're supposed to. And also so that we wouldn't drive people who are under us too hard. They're, you know, it's, it's set in stone. You've got to take a break. You know, here it is. That's what the Sabbath was for. We take it, we took it, and kind of twisted it and made it a heavier load for mankind to bear than what they had if they didn't have a Sabbath. And Jesus made it very clear. Look, yeah, here's the rule. Oh, boy. Here's the rule. But the rule wasn't made. Man wasn't created to keep these rules. These rules were made to help people. And whenever an issue comes up, whether it's do I keep the rule or do I help somebody, you heal that person with the withered hand. Let the disciples eat. You know, you, you do what needs to be done to help the person. That's, that's what it is. The wrong kind of person would think of themselves first. The wrong kind of person would think, well, if I stop and help this person, I might become defiled. And I might not be able to perform my high office for a while. People need my high office. And if I stop and help this person, I might be late for a very important meeting that I am going to because I am very important and my meetings are very important. People are counting on me to, to be there. Furthermore, if you're a priest or you're a synagogue ruler, uh, then you know the rules. And you, in fact, you're making a bunch of the rules and you are the gatekeeper. So you got to keep that key locked up there. The rules are very important. Now, I'm not saying the rules aren't important. Understand, please. When we sin, who gets hurt? When I sin, who gets hurt? Me. Me. And so the rules are there to protect me and help me. So I'm not saying they're not important, but I'm saying that you're more important. James, you're more important to me than a rule. You know, Bethany, you're more important to me than a rule. And that's the way that it should be. So for whatever reason, I mean, the priest may have been a good guy, but he didn't stop and help. And so a Levite comes along, and, and a Levite's just a notch below, I mean, very, very honestly, uh, it, below the priest. The Levite is an inherited position of service. You're born into a position of service. They, they served the priest, they, they served the, the temple, but actually they served the people by serving the temple. That's what they were supposed to do. It was a life dedicated to service, but apparently this guy had what I call the Barney Fife syndrome. 
God loved Don Knotts. You know, if you're, if you're too young to have seen Andy and Mayberry, you, you uh, do. Do your, I mean, you'll still find it funny. How many here are under 20 and have seen, was it funny? Okay, say it out loud. Was, yeah, it was funny. Okay. See right there. There you go. <laughs> my badge, my bullet, my office. I am here to rule these people and keep them in line, not to serve them. See, the office is supposed to be filled by a person, not the person filled by an office. I don't know if everybody got that or not. So I'm just going to say that again. The office is supposed to be filled by a person, not a person filled by an office. I'm going to go down a bunny trail here because there's a subset to the, to the, uh, the Barney Fife syndrome. Uh, you don't have to hold a position to have the, the Barney Fife syndrome. The subset is, it's all about me. And it inevitably leads to offense. Do you know why they painted the walls at the church blue? Because I hate blue. You know that song they did, they do on Sunday morning? You know that song they did today? I hate that song. And the only, and the only reason Will Severe puts that song in is somebody told him, I hate it. And so on the Sundays that I'm coming, he puts it in. So there. I don't know how he knows that I'm coming. But, <laughs> but he does. And he includes that song every time. And let me just say one other thing. Oh, and I'm, I don't want to, I'm not... If you want to get a hold of me, don't message me on Facebook uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I don't always know that you've messaged me on Facebook because I don't go on Facebook unless somebody messages me that I know. And, and then I'll go do that, the messenger thing. And the reason why I don't is because I don't trust it. I don't trust anything that's on there. I mean, if it went on there and it said, your name's Ronnie Meek, I'd go, that's not right. I don't know who put that down there. You know, I just don't trust it. And, and, and it, sometimes, I don't always, but sometimes I'll get a, an email saying, you have a message from so-and-so. And half the time when I go to look, I, I don't usually run right out to look at it because half the time when I go to look at it, the message is they've friend requested me and we've been friends for eight years and this is the 10th friend request I've gotten from them in the last six months. Yeah. Or they're sending me a forward that they have sent to all of their friends that also got forwarded to them from several, from some Eastern Bloc country and and I, you know, and it's not true anyway. Yeah, so I, I'm just saying, don't, don't, don't. Um, email me. Yeah, I mean, go online, go on the, the church website. There's an email. You can click on it there. Bam, it'll, it'll come through to me. I will read it right away. I will. It's not because I don't like you that I didn't wish you happy birthday on Facebook. I just, I have a life and I, you know, Facebook isn't really a part of it anymore. Uh, 
That's okay. We don't have to do that. But yeah. All right. Some might point out that both of these guys could be disqualified from serving uh, in their office if they became defiled. But the scripture's full of exceptions. The scripture is full of places where, where these are the rules, but this, this person needed help and God honored go to help. It's what God would, would honor to do. Well, the last character is a Samaritan. Whoa! A Samaritan. Jesus hit every hot button you can possibly hit by choosing a Samaritan as the hero. Racial, social, political, religious. Hit them all at, at, at this point. In fact, it's such a hot button that when he got to the end, it said, you know, which one was a neighbor to the, to the, uh, to the man who was there? The expert of the law wouldn't even say the word. Oh, I suppose it was the one that helped him. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, there is a baseball team that is still playing that I don't like. Let's just say I'm a San Francisco Giants fan, and I don't particularly care for this team. And it, it has a name. And uh, when Isaac was a little boy, I was coaching a fall ball team, and that fall ball team had that name. And I wouldn't say it. As the coach, I mean, we wore blue hats and, and a blue shirt, and so I was able to go, go blue! Come on, blue! You know, hit that ball, blue. But I wasn't going to say that name. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, and really, the guys on the team, I love them. It's the team I hate. <laughs> just, just saying. Okay, uh, well, the Samaritans, this guy wouldn't even say that word. The Samaritans were the, were the half-breeds. They, the, they were the undocumented Muslims in the country. That's who they were. They were sent by the Assyrians after... The northern kingdom fell. The Assyrian king relocated them to the area. They brought their foreign worship with them. And they also claimed to worship the Lord. That didn't sit too well with the people of Judea. Some were returned descendants from the, from, from the northern kingdom that had worshipped the, 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 the golden calf idols at Dan and at, and at, and at Bethel. You know, when Jesus uh, spoke to the Samaritan woman, she said, our fathers, our ancestors said, this is the place we must worship. But you, you guys are trying to say we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. So she was clearly one of those who came from that line. Samaritan woman, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. What are you doing talking to me? You're not even supposed to do that. Some were returned with the exiles from Babylon, but they didn't they could not trace their ancestry back. They didn't have their papers. And the Jews really wanted to exclude them. And this was the hero that Jesus chose to extend kindness and love to the man who was hurt. In doing so, he was not saying that Samaritans 
were better than the priests or the Levites. He was saying that eternal life is available to and can be expressed through whoever's willing. Whoever is willing. He wasn't really saying that the fallen man was the Samaritan's neighbor either. He was saying that the entire human race is my neighbor. Everybody that I will let be, everyone that I will choose to be my neighbor is, is, is my neighbor. And I need, to, I need to act like it. See, people aren't Samaritans or Jews. They aren't uh, black or white or documented or undocumented or tall or short or terrorist or patriots or Christians or people of other faith. They are your neighbor. That's what they are. if you'll be a neighbor to them. Jesus also said, whatever you do to one of the least of these, whatever you do to others, you're really doing it to me. And so, in answer to the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do to fill in what's missing right now, Jesus told this story and then he said, you go and do likewise. You want, you want life to get better? You, you want the quality of life that God has? You want to live it on another plane? Go and do what the Samaritan did. See, who is my neighbor? does not depend on who the other person is. It depends on who I am. We call Jesus Savior and Lord, Master, and rightly so. God, Christ, that's what He is. How about neighbor? How about when we see someone in need, we hear Jesus saying, or when we see someone who's outcast, or when we see someone, how about we hear Jesus say, won't you be my neighbor? <laughs> A little cheesy, but maybe it'll stick. <laughs> 